Hey, thanks for coming to church today. Uh, This is a day that we kind of set aside to, to, we call it Fall Kickoff Sunday. Uh, It's the Sunday after Labor Day. It's kind of a recognition that we are uh, finished with summer. Everybody say, aw. But we are moving into fall. Somebody say, yay. And then we might move into winter. Everybody say, boo. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my uh, analysis of it all. Uh, but, um, but Fall Kickoff Sunday is kind of a day for our church um, and, for, and for anyone who maybe even isn't a part of our church yet, uh, just to kind of stop and pause and say, summer was great, vacations were great, the beach was great, uh, but uh, we're going to take this moment and hit pause, collect ourselves, and say, let's go strong into a great fall season. Anybody ready to do that? Come on, are you ready? And we really do believe that the best part of your year could be the rest of your year. Uh, I do think it is important to stop and take a break. Uh, I do think it is important to unstring the bow and and just get some refresh and some uh, relaxation and to take a breath. But how many of you know that life is intended to have purpose? And um, we're not living for vacations. We just take vacations so we can continue to live purpose in life. And uh, that's why we're here. That's why we're on the planet. God has purpose for us. Uh, God has purpose for our church. God has purpose for every, everybody that is actually on the planet. And today, I want to take a few moments and, and look at the nation of Israel for a moment and, and recognize a few things about them that uh, prevented them for a season of time actually entering into their purpose, entering into what God had promised to them. Israel had spent 430 years. I mean, that's a long time. 430 years uh, in Egyptian captivity. And that captivity had degenerated over time uh, to where they became slaves that um, had to make bricks and were even had the straw removed for making those bricks. And they lived as slaves. And God has come into history and has a purpose for Israel, just like he has a purpose for church, as he has a purpose for you, for me. And God comes into their world and gives them a promise. And he says, okay, I want you to enter into the promise I have for you. And if you're around here at all, you know that we are big on the promises of God. That that is, that's how we build relationship with God. Relationship with God is not just built on our uh, obedience to commands. That's an important thing. But the truth is, our real relationship with God is built on the promises that he gives us. And all those promises are yes and amen. And we've been in the book of Hebrews. We're going to continue to be in the book of Hebrews for a little while. And, uh, and so here we are talking about the promises that God has given to us and that we have a, a better covenant built on better 
promises. So we're looking at Israel. God's given them a promise, and he's given them a promised land. And now they've got to take a moment, and just like we're doing in, in a much smaller way today, but we're still doing it today, they got to stop, they got to collect themselves, and they have to recognize, here's the promise of God, here's the promised land, that's land that's going to flow with milk and honey, um, here is the promise that God has for us, and now we've got to shake off the mentality that we've carried for 430 years. I mean, you know, that's not easy to do. You know, it's hard, it's hard to shake off a mentality that you developed over the last four years, uh, the last three years, the last year. And they've got to collect themselves and shake off this slave mentality. They have to shake off their fear they have to shake off their fear of the unknown, and God is calling them to launch into the next season of promise that he has for them. And I want to remind you today uh, that there is a season of promise ahead for you. There, 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 there are things that God has in his heart that he wants to take your life to a, a better place, uh, a more peaceful place, uh, a more prosperous place, uh, a more loving place, uh, a more in sync with your purpose place than you've ever been in before. The path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter, right? We go from strength to strength, from glory to glory. And so there is a season of promise ahead for you as an individual. There is a season of promise for us as a church, but how many of you know that a lot of times to enter into a new season of promise, you have some internal work that needs to be done. The, the enemies are not really out there. The enemies are kind of in here. Uh, you know, the, the, in, the, the, the thing that will allow you and I to, to own the promise of God, to own the goodness of God, to own the faith, to shake off the fear, to shake off the history, to shake off all the stuff and move into what God has for us. And so what we're going to do today is talk about this. What can set you up? to move into your promised land. Or even uh, just as important, what can actually hold you back from entering into your promised land? So as I mentioned, we're in the book of Hebrews and we've entitled this Better uh, because of the better covenant built on better promises. And I wanna read a passage of scripture uh, to you. It's a few verses, but I think it's okay to read the Bible in church. Anybody with me on that? Hebrews 3, starting in verse 7. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says today, everybody say today. today. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me as in the day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tried me by testing me, they saw my works for 40 years. So remember, the, the idea is this. They've been 430 years in Egyptian captivity. God is saying, I've got a promised land I want to give to you. It literally was only a 10-day journey as the crow flies. 
But they ended up wandering for 40 years. I don't know if you've ever thought about the fact that you're living the same year over Well, maybe that's for the next service to think about, because certainly nobody in this service up this early for church would be living the same year over and over and over again. So 10-day journey has turned into a 40-year journey because they have not shaken off what they need to shake off. They have not embraced what they need to embrace. So he said, therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they do not know my ways. And I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today. Everybody say today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. In other words, you can't stop. You can't hit pause forever. Today, in Hebrews 3.15, while it is said today, everybody say today, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. For who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? With whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? To whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Wow. That's an incredible thing. God is actually a little perturbed, more than a little perturbed. When God's angry, that's more than a little perturbed. He was a little perturbed with Israel because he's got a purpose for them. He's got a promise for them. He's got a promised land for them. And he has done miraculous things to to release them from 430 years of slavery, of 430 years of Egyptian captivity, which of course is uh, a picture of what Christ does for us when we accept him into our life. He releases us from slavery, and God sets in front of us a promise, a promised way to live. But I think often you and I have some of the same issues that we need to work through because people are the same. Wherever you go throughout the world, wherever you encounter people in history, people are often the same. And so they turned a 10-day journey into a 40-year journey. That, That strikes fear into my heart. I don't know what it does to you. But the idea that I am taking 40 years to walk through what God wants me to walk through in 10 days, it makes me sit up and listen in church and take notes and smile, or at least be engaged. So now, they're right on the verge of a new day. And there are conditions within their heart that are keeping them from embracing the new today. 
And I just have two ideas that I want to kind of talk about today and what could help us move into the promise of God for our life? What could help us move into the purpose of God for our life? What could help us move away from 40 years of wandering or two years or five years or 10 years of wandering? And the first thing I want to talk about is this. We have to embrace today. You noticed over and over, and I had you kind of repeat with me three different times in this passage, and and actually as the the Bible goes on in Hebrews, you find that there is more today that is recognized. As long as it is still called today. That's an interesting phrase to me. Because I think at least one thing that that would mean is this. As long as you are here today, there's still purpose for your life. If you're still breathing, if you're still alive, God has purpose for you. He wants, he, he wants to keep using your life in a meaningful way. But there's something powerful about embracing today. About living in today about enjoying today, about being grateful today, about making today a masterpiece, about receiving God's grace for today. Everybody say today. Today is an important day. Second uh, Corinthians 6 <clears throat> talks to us about this whole idea of the grace of God being given to us for the now. Working together with him, we urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. In other words, we urge you don't reject the grace of God. It's coming into your world. For he says, at the acceptable time I listened to you, on the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now, today is the acceptable time, not tomorrow, not when you get to, but today, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I want to encourage you to receive the grace of God for your today. I want to encourage you to receive the salvation that God, which is not just a ticket to heaven, I'm glad I'm going to heaven. But salvation is everything that God gives, the peace of God, the healing that comes from God, the provision that comes from God, the joy that comes from God, the favor that comes from God, the help that comes from God, the forgiveness that comes from God. Salvation is for now, for today. And I'm going to encourage you to make an internal shift to embrace today. Embrace this season. I I know you may want this, but right now you have that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? I know you want to be married now. That's this. But you're not. You got that. 
So you got to embrace the grace of God for today. Because if you can fully embrace today, you can be ready for tomorrow. I know you're wishing, oh, if only we could have kids. And that's a good wish. But once you have them, I know, you're, I know you, you want that job, but right now you have this job. I, I know you want that salary, but right now you have this salary. I know you want that level of influence, but right now you have this level of influence. And I'm saying to you, it's too easy to live in tomorrow, waiting to be happy, waiting to be peaceful. Am I preaching this okay? <laughs> waiting to be content, waiting to feel good about your life. I'm preaching to myself, so I hope if you don't enjoy it, I'm going to enjoy it today a lot. <laughs> I know you want this, but right now you have that. So receive the grace of God for this, today. Instead of, instead of focusing on, God, here's what I want you to be doing. And I'm a believer in vision, and I'm a believer in reaching for the future. But I think it would be a good idea today if you hear his voice. If, I think it would be a good idea to actually pay attention to what God is actually doing today and not get obsessed with what you want him to be doing tomorrow. And I think to hear what God is saying to you, and some of you might be thinking, I've never even heard of that idea that God would speak to me. He does speak to us. It's not weird, it's not bizarre. He loves us, and he wants to whisper things into our heart, make things clear for us. But to hear what God is saying to you today, you have to embrace today. Yesterday is over. So your yesterday might have been super fun or super successful or you're only remembering the parts that were right <laughs> super fun or super successful and yesterday may have been very painful but I just want to say that no matter how great you've built yesterday up to be in your life, it's over. Everybody say, it's over. It's over. You, you, hopefully you got some pictures. You can enjoy the memories. I see, I see these pictures come up 
Facebook. We thought you'd like to see this three years ago, five years ago, seven years ago. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, I would like to see that. Other times I'm like, ugh. I don't want to see that. Change is here to stay. Whatever existed yesterday doesn't exist today. Nothing stays the same. People come and go. I see pictures from five years ago, seven years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and I recognize people move on. People that you thought may never have moved on, they do. And sometimes we build this fantasy about how great it actually was back then, but when we were in the middle of it, we were looking toward the future or looking toward the past and forgetting. And so I'm just saying people move on. And if, if you can't embrace the fact that that thing is over, that group is over. Can you hear me? Right? That's over. It's not bad. It's just over. Technology changes. Ah, some of us are like, I can barely keep up with it. My wife is a technology expert. Every once in a while, she'll, she'll ask me to come upstairs and say, can you get the TV working again? Because I've done something <laughs> that's making it not work. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, anybody? Can I get a witness? Yeah. And sometimes I just basically have to tear the whole thing off the wall and put it back on again. I, it's, how did you get it to here? How did that happen? <laughs> Styles change. Memo to self. <laughs> Styles change. I was looking at a video of a worship experience from Hillsong Church, uh, which was about 10 or 15 years ago, and it was funny to me to watch everybody had these huge, baggy, extra long, dragging on the ground pants. Anybody, anybody, anybody still got a few of those in the closet, just hoping it comes back again? <laughs> no, maybe you don't. I can promise you this, if you got any of those, don't wear them. They, they don't, they just, they're gone. I can also promise you this, some of us are not going to look good in skinny jeans, so don't wear those either, please. I commit to you as your pastor that I will not wear skinny jeans. Amen. But I ain't wearing those big old baggy long things anymore either. Come on, methods change. And if you can't stay flexible with the change, then you can't actually enter in to what today actually is. So if you're longing for them to be back in your world, but them have left, or them have moved on, let it go. Embrace it, love them. Stay in touch, but the truth is, that's over. 
And if, if I honestly believe if we can't stay flexible with the change, if we can't embrace today, what today is, receive grace from God for today, you can get stuck in yesterday. The flip side of this is no matter how painful yesterday was, it's over. So it really is over. So like quit holding on to it like it's not over. It is over. You know, I'm watching this storm that's happening in, in Florida right now. My heart is going out to them. And I remember my hometown getting flooded out with a storm several years ago with her, Hurricane Katrina. And I just want to say, storms come to pass. And sometimes they leave wreckage and sometimes they leave a devastation behind them. But now I look at my, the city I grew up in and I realize that there's been restoration. There's, there's been God brought fresh new things. We, we, have, um, we have family members that pastor a church in New Orleans, the little church I got saved in. And it was a funky little building kind of squeezed into a spot that was way too small. And we went by that church and there was literally water lines that were 10 foot high on, on the church. The grand piano in the church was upside down. The power of the water had carried it off. They basically had to tear the whole thing down and rebuild it. But they were able to buy several pieces of land around them, and they have rebuilt this building, and now they've got a gorgeous, brand new, suit who they are today building with a parking lot that they never had before. I'm telling you, yesterday is over. Come on, let God build your today. And I just, I just want to encourage you to quit carrying the pain of yesterday into today. Uh, come on, you got to forgive them. I'm not saying that you're saying they, they were right and that they get up. Sometimes you think, oh, I'm just letting them off the hook easy. No, it's for your sake. You got to unhook from them. You got to forgive the pain of the past. And I want to encourage you to forgive yourself. Anybody ever done anything stupid? <laughs> Come on, just turn and look at your neighbor and say, I know you have. I know you have. And that's, it's painful sometimes to think, I'm the reason that that took place. This is my circus. These are my monkeys. I did do that. That is something that you got to own. But I'm just saying, let it go and forget the past and move into today. So I think here's what we all have a tendency to do. We either over-exaggerate yesterday, right, either the good or the bad, or, or we overestimate tomorrow. Because I think all of us have hopes that tomorrow will be better. And that's a good thing. Because you don't want to lose hope. It's oxygen for your soul. But it's not enough. Hope itself is not enough. Hoping for a good future without making an investment into today is like a farmer waiting for a crop without ever planting any seed. Today's seeds create tomorrow's harvest. So you could hope you'll be in better shape tomorrow, but you got to do something today. 
right? You could hope you'll be closer to God tomorrow, but you might have to read your Bible today or, or pray today or, or say no to something today because that's what creates your tomorrow. And I think we underestimate the power of today. Benjamin Franklin said, one today is worth two tomorrows. What I am to be, I am now becoming. You probably heard of John Wooden, who is the great basketball coach for UCLA, incredible, probably the greatest basketball coach, I think, that's, that's ever coached college ranks. He won 10 NCAA championships in a 12-year period. That's, that's strong. He, they, he, they won seven championships in a row. Nobody else has won more than two. Within that period of time, they, they won 88 consecutive games. I mean, they, they were a powerhouse of a team over a long period of time. You can't say it was just he had a Michael Jordan, you know, or he had a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or, or a Bill Walton on his team. This is a guy over <clears throat> many years. He was named National Coach of the Year six different times. I think he should have been named National Coach of the Year way more, right? But he, but he had this philosophy where he coached his teams on the basis of the importance of today. And here's a, a quote of his. He says, I never dreamed about winning. What I was dreaming about each year was trying to produce the best basketball team we could be. My thoughts were directed toward preparation, towards our journey, not the results of the effort, such as winning national championships. That would simply have shifted my attention to the wrong area, hoping for something out of my control. Hoping doesn't make it happen. John Wooden learned the secret of giving today 100%. He said in another place, he said, you can't give 75% today and give 125% tomorrow. You got to give 100% to today. The second thing that I, I think is important about how we're gonna move into our promised land and how we're not gonna get stuck in, in a 40-year wandering experience is you gotta maintain a whole, healthy heart. Several times in this passage that we read, the Bible says, today, if you hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you, don't harden your heart. Because your heart is where you really hear. Your heart is where you really process. Your heart is where you really see. Proverbs 4.23, you know this, one of my favorite verses. Watch over your heart. Watch over what's going on on the inside of your soul with all diligence because from it flow the springs or the issues or the borders of your life. The condition of our heart determines how well we can actually embrace today. It it determines how well we can actually hear today. It, I'm going to say, it's not easy 
to keep a healthy heart. It, it, it is easy for our hearts to harden. Too much life, too many people, too many storms, too many disappointments can end us all up with a hardened heart, with an unhealthy heart, with a not a whole heart. Too many betrayals can make you have a bitter heart. And so we know that to fulfill destiny, you've got to play team in life. But if you've been betrayed too many times, it becomes really difficult to let new people who could be a part of your future into your world because you keep assessing them based on somebody else's abuse of your heart. Hebrews 12, 15 says this, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness. Bitterness is what happens in your heart when you don't forgive, when you don't let go, when you don't move on. Springing up causes trouble by many, by many are defiled. I think, the, I think the, the struggle with betrayal is, I don't really feel betrayal from somebody who's on the fringe of life for me. The real ones that hurt are the people I let into my soul. The ones I let into my life, the ones I let into my heart, the ones I let into my world. And somehow, we gotta, we gotta receive the grace of God for our life that we are not letting somebody else's hurt to us cause us to start rejecting today people in our life. I know this isn't shouting ground, but that's okay. I think too many disappointments can give you a sick heart. Proverbs uh, 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. You keep expecting, you keep hoping, you keep trying, you keep reaching, and it doesn't ever turn out exactly like you want. And that's kind of part of the way it goes, to be honest. We're reaching for something, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. So you get too many disappointments, and then you have a guy like me that comes and stands in front of you and says, God's got a great abundant life for you. He's got a promise for you. He's got a promised land for you. Come on, rise up, let go of the past, and move into your today. And you go, I think I've done that already. Like more times than I can do it again. And nobody, nobody can keep your heart full of faith but you. Nobody can keep your heart full of anticipation about the goodness of God but you. I think getting discouraged can harden your heart. We read this verse in our passage, Hebrews 3.13, encourage one another day after day as long as, still, as long as it's still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And I think it's interesting, this verse. Leave it up for a second. I think it's interesting, this verse, that it's the deceitfulness of sin, we think, oh, sin is a tricky little thing, and it'll pull you in, and that's true. But the reality is, you don't defeat sin by trying to defeat sin. You defeat sin by staying encouraged. 
Discouragement is the devil's biggest tool against your life because when you're discouraged, you just don't try anymore. You don't feel like worshiping anymore. You don't feel like praying anymore. You don't feel like working anymore. You don't feel like serving anymore. You don't feel like giving anymore. You just don't, you don't feel like any of it because it's like, ugh. Cynicism can harden your heart. Proverbs 28, 14, it says, How blessed is the man who fears always, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. And I think to live in that place where you just, you keep a healthy respect for God, where you keep a healthy respect for yourself, not letting yourself get too close to the edge of sin and seeing what you can get away with, and still be saved. I think having a healthy respect for the power of sin, I think having a healthy respect for your weakness, your tendency, and knowing maybe somebody else can go there, but not me. (laughs) Maybe somebody else can drift close by that, but if I do, I get sucked in. I think, I think and then all, what happens is then our heart gets harder when we stop listening. We stop listening to things we should be listening to. We get a hard heart. I've heard all that before. I've heard those things before. Proverbs 29.1 says, a man who hardens his neck after much reproof, will suddenly be broken beyond remedy. There's a lot of people there. It's like, I'm not listening to anybody. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. And I want to say you can't listen to everybody because there's too many stupid opinions. But I do want to say you better be listening to somebody. You better have somebody outside of you that can say, look, I love you enough to say, I haven't seen you in church in forever. I love you enough to say, I've noticed the way you're speaking to your wife. It's just a little harsh. Everything okay? I mean, you know, you got to earn the right. To, like, let's not do that during the break here, uh, <laughs> church. Please. I think losing your joy can harden your heart. I read this verse in, uh, in the New Living Testament the other day. It was so good. He, Proverbs 15, 15. For the despondent every day brings trouble. For the happy heart every day is a feast. The same day viewed from a different heart. The same set of circumstances viewed from despondent is... The same set of circumstances viewed from a happy heart is... Woohoo! Your choice. Not easy. The condition of your heart today will determine if you can really walk in 
God's promise for your life. I want to pray with you. I want you to bow your heads, please, and I want you to close your eyes. Father, I'm praying for our hearts today. I'm praying for my heart. I'm praying for our church's heart. I'm praying for the heart every person in this room. We've all had the opportunity to harden our heart. And we are coming before you today to say, Lord, we're ready to embrace today, God, the grace you have for us today. I'm believing that you're going to do a great work in us today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just ask you this. I would love to pray with you. Where is your heart today? in relation to Jesus. Is he truly the Lord of your life? Maybe you've never opened up your heart to him. I would love to pray with you. Maybe you're here today and you know there was a day when your heart was in the right place, but you know now it's really not. Where it needs to be, where you want it to be, where it could be, Well, you know it should be. Maybe you just feel unsure. You say, Pastor, pray with me. I really, I want to be sure. Nobody's looking around. If you just say, include me in this prayer, include me in this, and and make a signal to God, even beyond me praying for you. Yes, I want to give my heart to Christ. Yes, I know I need to come back to him. Yes, I just want to feel sure that I'm right with God. I want you to lift your hand all over this room. Just say, yeah, that's me. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, all over the room. Lift it high. Let me just see. God bless you. Just be, be brave for a moment before God. Nobody's looking around, but let God see. This is where my heart is, God, and I'm, I'm coming to you. God, I'm coming to give you my heart. I don't have it together. I know I don't have it together, but I'm going to give you my heart. Anybody else? Say, yeah, that's me. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Let's pray this prayer together. Hands all over the room. But I think we could all pray this together. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today to give you my heart. I need you. I want you in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned. I've messed up. But I come to the cross where you paid the price for my forgiveness. Today, today is a fresh day, a new day, a new beginning as I give my life to you. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Love you guys.